Welcome to the Data Science and Design Podcast, hosted by Will Johnson, the data scientist, and Megan Fasano, the UX designer who worked together at Microsoft. In this podcast, they'll discuss the intersection of design thinking and data science in the future of retail. Enjoy the show. Today, we'll be talking about some exciting advancements in the field of chatbots and recommender systems. And I've got to say, my co-host here is pretty obsessed with our newest and greatest tool, ChatGPT. It's like having a data scientist and designer in one tool. That sounds pretty awesome. And you know, I think it's possible because ChatGPT is one of those large language models that was trained by OpenAI. So those large language models, they use unsupervised learning, which is a technique for training on massive amounts of data without actually having any specific labels or inputs. They didn't tell it what to look for. It just learned these concepts and learned these ideas. And that's what makes it so powerful and it's able to understand and even generate human-like text that we see and we love playing with today. First, let's explore how ChatGPT can be used to improve recommender systems in the retail space. I want to start off by talking about a concept I was thinking about, how ChatGPT could help create a more humanistic experience by powering recommender systems. We know that chatbots are an old concept and that they must rely on the actual system they're within. There's only so much they can do in the personal space, correct? What are your thoughts, Will? Yeah, it's predefined, right? Mm -hmm. That makes sense. Typically, you have a flow that reaches out to other services like a recommender system, right? Mm -hmm. uh, and says, hey, you know, oh, you... Uh, you know, you added this thing to a cart, it's an item-based recommender system that could say, hey, I I've seen this, we can use item-based collaborative filtering and transform it to say, these two items are similar or bought by, by similar looking people, right? But yeah, so chatbots have been doing this, I think, and ChatGPT doesn't have that built into it, right? But you could build it. And there's another aspect to this. So what the chatbot would do is getting to know the person. It would be a chatbot would say, what are you looking for today? In a way that the user can come to the site and say, I want to pressure wash my deck this week. Okay. Then chat GPT could not only talk to the person on that chat, but they could go in the back end and personalize the actual product page descriptions by extracting how-to guides, or if they said, I'm looking for a power washer to power wash my deck, then it could tell you how to use wood solution within that product description. I love the idea. I would just be a little concerned with that people have seen you know, random ideas, and, and I'd be concerned for like the safety of the product. We'll come up with a really good sounding solution, but it might be the, like the wrong things for the actual care and maintenance of the product, right? And I think recommender systems suffer from this too sometimes, where like if a person is always buying, if, if your market baskets are always buying like the wrong product together, the algorithms that are running a recommender system would still give you the wrong answer. The recommendations are only as good as the data you provided. And I think ChatGPT might suffer from the same thing. So how would you design some guardrails around that? I guess, how could you put in business rules or like signals to the user that says, hey, this this is like an auto-generated response. This is like some ideas, but but check with your local rep. Have you thought about something like that like to build rails around this? Recommender systems are a valuable tool for businesses, but they're not a one-size-fits-all solution. In order to create the most accurate and personalized recommendations, it is often necessary for a program manager to manually input the relevant information into the system. For example, a home improvement store could take the time to create detailed content, such as buying guides and how-tos to help the customer make informed decisions. This would allow the recommender system to recommend products that complement the search, resulting in a more efficient and personalized shopping experience. 
Furthermore, creating product description pages on the fly based on a customer's search can also enhance the personalized experience. For example, if a customer is searching for a power washer to clean their deck, the recommender system would create a product description page that focuses on how to pressure wash a deck and suggest related products that would be useful for that task. This not only helps the customer find the right products, but it also improves their overall experience. Yeah, that's more traditional. I guess traditional is even a funny word for recommender systems because like they've only been out for like you know a couple decades, right? But but like a, a more traditional way would be like a content-based recommender system where I'm going to look at those same buying guides, but I'm going to just compare those words on the page with other documents on my web page or or PDFs that I've collected in my you know asset library, and then at best a content-based collaborative filtering algorithm might recommend products that are you know, available that, that look like these other pages, right? So it would recommend other buying guides, maybe for certain terms that are really unique. It might recommend you know, those similar how-to articles or similar products that mention those things. But in, only in ChatGPT's case could it potentially rewrite the page um, at at like runtime to, mm-hmm. to to show to the customer exactly what they might need to do uh, and display it in real time. Like a recommender system couldn't couldn't touch that at all. Uh, but that's a really really cool idea. I like that a lot. So long as it's additionally trained on your data, like you said, that that puts in a little, some more guardrail. It gives it that extra personalization. That yeah. But yeah. for me to get a chatbot that I feel like it's a real human and personalizing my experience for that specific search that I'm trying to look for a product that I'm going to invest my money in. It's just going to help me in growing my brand loyalty and also uh, my trust in that company yeah. and that chatbot. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, that's true. That's true. One of the one of the challenges I think we may run into though is query understanding. You know, if if you just plug in power washers into a search engine, right, on, on a home improvement store's website, then it's going to, you know, generally search for like the keywords power washer. You might have, you know, a recommender system built into the search results to take those top items and, and try to find recommendations based on the search results. Like some advanced, really advanced uh, companies do that. We still run into the trouble. How does ChatGPT know what to prompt for, right? That's where I'm, I'm still missing float. Does the user have to specify, I want to look for a buying guide? Because they, they might not. They might just you know, be trained to search for basic tokens like power washer and then expect to find more links or expect to find that without actually explicitly stating that, right? So, so how would you get ChatGPT to be prompted to, to write the correct content. We're on the topic of power washers, but I almost want to talk about power washers and maybe makeup tutorials. Yeah. And that's because- Those go together. Yeah, I know, time, right? right? Yeah. <laughs> Let's say that I am a home improvement site that I'm going to want more buyer guides and directions you know, on, on what products I need to buy on additionally. Is it possible to put the keywords in there? And then let's say it was in a makeup site, then in that one, you'll have keywords more of tutorials. So if there's an eyeshadow, you'll get a tutorial rather than a buyer's guide. Is that possible? That Could that train the chat GPT and be that middle bridge? I think so, yeah, right? So Because those prompts, right? it's seen tutorials, it's seen makeup tutorials, it's seen buying guides from other you know products. So it can hallucinate those kinds of things, right? Given that right prompt. I feel you know, you had mentioned this um, uh, to us privately before, but talking about tips and tricks, right, or, or mentioning buying guide inside of there. So maybe it's the responsibility of 
again, that product manager to figure out what prompts do we want ChatGPT to come up with, um, whereas more traditionally, again, in a recommender system, you would you would just you know trust in the data and maybe apply a few business rules for like cross sell and upsell of certain categories, where you would boost it one way or another. Those recommendations to ensure that you know certain things are going to be displayed in those recommendations, even though they might be lower on the scale, you can artificially boost it with ChatGPT. Right now, we have the travel of those prompts. How do I write a good prompt to, to actually get it to write the content that I want in the form that I want, right? And I know you've been playing a lot with this, right? Have you had any success with making something that looks, it's a well-written document? Well, I have been playing with it to help me in creating content for my wireframes and user journeys. Nice. And it's been very impressive. It's really saved me a lot of time too. And I didn't see a lot of faults because I was more in the general space um, when I was uh, prompting it and asking it to generate content. It wasn't on a so specific thing. But then I go back to thinking about how you said the product manager actually will take the time in, you know, with the prompts. Well, then maybe they should also take the time in the categories of their inventory. And that's where ChatGPT yeah. can maybe create a whole recommender sister on top of that to combine products to help the customer be more engaged within that E2E experience and that transaction. So if they're looking for power washers, they can actually make sure that the buyer guides have words that are mapping to possibly nozzles that you may need or a solution. So instead of a cleaning agent, it'll say solution in chat GPT, but maybe in the other end, you know, it says cleaner, you know, they, they have to spend time, but they can increase their sales with this. And yeah, because I think what you're describing, it reminds me of the concept of a hybrid recommender system. So there's, you know, we talked about content-based collaborative filtering, um, and then you've got item-based collaborative filtering. There's nothing stopping you from combining the results of both, right? And you, to your point, you can have a, a better signal because of that, right? They're on a particular page, and the, the content of that page has already been, you know, uh, pre-computed into their their recommender system, right? You've, you've taken it out, you put it into Azure Data Lake, you bring it to Azure Databricks, you you train it with both the the transactions as well as the content on the page, and the combination of the two results in a much better result because you get the true patterns of what they're buying, but also the patterns that you as the product manager or the content writer wants to emphasize, right? So if you're mentioning nozzles and hoses and that power washing thing, maybe you don't sell a lot of those during the initial purchase of the power washer, right? And so as a result, that content pushes it up further because you want to sell more of those and the data and the content results in it. So I think, yeah, that's a great point. You can you can definitely make it a lot stronger with both uh, rather than relying on one or the other. But you also, just to the side, like what you were describing as like you can change the buyer guides, it totally made me think of, you know, we write we write content for humans, of course, right? But then, and then you know, slowly but surely in the beginning of uh, the search engine days with keyword optimization, we started writing content for search engines. <laughs> now, are we writing content for ChatGPT yes. to optimize like how it can be prompted? Like that, we're we're going down a very like like slippery slope at this point, right? I'm I'm a little concerned for what we're going to be teaching journalism and communication majors in college. There's going to be an elective on on prompting ChatGPT one day, maybe. 
<laughs> I'm telling you that that is so interesting, and that is also always what I'm thinking about when I'm actually playing with ChatGPT or Dolly mm. Two. So Dolly Two, yeah. you really have to be creative in the keyword search and really understanding what you want it to generate for you, or else you're going to yeah. get nothing. But yeah, <laughs> well, how funny is that? <laughs> It's scary. I feel like the right word is scary, Megan. <laughs> <laughs> I do think you're right, but <laughs> yes. And, and and so, Will, I just I have one question on this on how we're talking about putting all the information in, setting it up in this hybrid approach. Uh, but where would a company actually go and set this up? That's a good question. Yeah. So one of the struggles is that you know, number one, uh, ChatGPT is brand new. So I still think that we have. There's room for improvement about like being able to consume chat GPT. And by the time others are listening to this, maybe that's different. But at the, at the current present moment, right, it's, it's kind of like a, a research toy rather than a fully fledged production algorithm, right? So that remains to be seen. But let, let's imagine in the future, right, we have this as a service that you can just call and there's, there's good um, SLAs around it. So assuming that's the case, it all kind of comes back to, uh, let's take our content from our, you know, uh, asset management database, right, our, all, like our digital library of all the product descriptions or item master data. Let's take all of our transactions. Let's bring that into Azure, right? And we land that data into like Azure Data Lake Gen 2 because that's our, our scalable storage engine. You might get that data in there through something called like Azure Data Factory or other tools, right? Depending on how large your data, you could just, you know, upload it directly into storage. So great, the data the data is there now in Azure Data Lake Gen 2. We, now we actually have to train the machine learning algorithm, the, the recommender system itself, because ChatGPT can be used to, you know, generate content or perhaps be prompted to discuss these sorts of things or generate content for it. But ultimately, we still need to train that model. And so using a tool like Azure Databricks, we might use it because it actually has a couple algorithms baked into it directly. So one is FP Grow, which is kind of like an old school thing. Um, is one of the early recommender systems. And then there's the alternating least squares recommendations algorithm. And that's that's the cool one using matrix factorization. It you know extracts out latent hidden features within your data. And that's usually the one that most organizations will use because it is more robust and more scalable. So great, we've got our transactions, our content, we're using Databricks, we're probably using the alternating least squares algorithm, and then we, we train a model. That model can then be deployed as a real-time service, right? So we could, could generate recommendations on the fly. We would use Azure Machine Learning and Azure Machine Learning as online managed endpoints to, to have like a, an API, uh, something we can call via the browser, via backend services, and generate recommendations. So great, we can do that. We could also generate recommendations in advance. You talked a little bit about how a product manager might want to like hard code stuff inside of there. So we could we generate recommendations in advance and the product managers might have business rules to tweak those recommendations and that might be baked into our process. We could land those results in some sort of like scalable storage like Azure Cosmos. And so great, we've got perhaps pre-recorded recommendations in Azure Cosmos and then we might have uh, on the fly recommendations in Azure Machine Learning's online managed endpoint. So now it's just a matter of hooking it up to the website or hooking up to your backend systems to be able to call those recommendations. And that's just, again, another API call. And that's great. And then now you're you're cruising, right? Because you can start calling that API or just bring down the results from that Cosmos DB and display the recommendations. 
Um, so, and we actually have a bunch of solution accelerators too that helps you get started and reference architectures for you guys to, you know, develop your own solution on top of what we've already designed too. The solution that you've just explained to me is awesome. And there's a lot of elements to it. It's almost overwhelming. How would they go about in searching and see if a solution like this would be the right solution for them? Or maybe if they wanted to prepare for something like this that may happen in the future, could they reach out to someone like you? Yeah, so feel free to reach out to us. I think, you know, we, we'd be happy to, to help you guys. If anyone's on their journey and wants to just kind of chat about it, we'd be happy to help. But also at every major organization, you're going to have a Microsoft account person and you've got, you've got lots of people that are ready and willing to jump and help you start on your journey with recommender systems. Like I mentioned, there's also a bunch of solution accelerators that you can just kind of kick the tires with, right? Stuff that you can just deploy and, and try out. And then, of course, it's out on GitHub. So you can ask questions, you can raise issues and things like that. But ultimately, yeah, you've got a huge support system within within Microsoft that can help you, again, get started quickly, if not going through the, the open source community route as well. That's awesome. No, thanks, Will. So, Will, where could someone go and play with this? So you said that they can go and try it out. Is there a site that they can go to? I, I think there's a couple things that if you want to just kind of kick the tires, I would first start off with a GitHub repo hosted by Microsoft called github.com slash Microsoft slash recommenders. Now, this is a large collection of different recommender system algorithms that we have uh, Jupyter Notebooks that you can just start playing with for the for the more technical folks, this is going to be a great playground for you to just kind of start working through and seeing different algorithms, trying them out, you know, load up your data and then just plug this notebook, change the input data, plug it to your data. And great, you can try a boatload of different algorithms very, very quickly. So github.com slash Microsoft slash recommenders. We'll put this in the, in the description as well. That's number one. That's first playground. Another one, though is perhaps you know even simpler is the databricks solution accelerators so if you go to your favorite search engine and plug in databricks solution accelerator recommender systems you'll come to a page that has a, a huge number of different solution accelerators but then you can filter it down to recommender systems and they've got uh, a handful of really interesting ones where it takes again some some uh, kind of toy data and then going through a single notebook, it explains in good detail about what's happening in each step. And so then you can kind of start getting an intuition for what's going on with this particular algorithm and what can I, what can I do with this, right? Uh, even better, again, you can take that same notebook, plug in your data instead, and just start running through it. So, so those are my, my two main recommendations for you to just kind of get started. Is this free for everyone? So the content is free. Yes, absolutely. Uh, of course, there's going to be you know some Azure cost uh, alongside of it as well. So just bear that in mind. You can of course get free uh, Azure credits for for like trials for your personal usage. There there may be some costs when you actually spin up some engine to start running the the recommender systems and a little bit for the storing of your data. But it's nominal, right? Unless you're working on huge amounts of data. Uh, you should have no no problems just kind of quickly testing this out. And the solution will pay for itself in the end if, if it works. I like that thought process right there. That's great. <laughs> yes, exactly. Exactly. Thanks for listening to this episode of Data Science and Design. If you enjoyed it, please subscribe and leave a review. 